Welcome to Soccer 101. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and we're finally recording an episode in a world in which Lionel Messi has won silverware with the senior Argentina national team. That's a lot of caveats to have to put into a title, but they're appropriate and relevant caveats. Here to discuss the triumphant Copa America team is Felipe Cardenas of The Athletic. Felipe, the Copa America is done. Long live the Gold Cup. Is that fair to say? <laughs> quite quite the sharp pivot, right? From from Copa America to 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 USA Martinique. Uh, but hey, that's that's the summer of soccer that we are living through an unprecedented an unprecedented summer of soccer where it's just back to back to back to back tournaments and unprecedented in the sense that we do have Argentina winning one of those tournaments, uh, their first Copa America, as I said, since 1993. What were the full time scenes like when they had confirmed their silverware, when they had won over Brazil in Brazil? I'm going to assume lively on the field, lively in the locker room and probably lively in Buenos Aires as well. Yeah, I mean, I think what was interesting about the final when I when I started when I wrote I wrote a couple stories about just like how big this this tournament was for Messi and for Neymar, like who who needed it more. Um, you know, my conclusion was that it was Lionel Messi, and I, you know, I, I stand by that. I think it was obvious based on the the, the scenes after the game and, and the, what he has said after winning the, the, this title and. Uh, that this was something that he really, really, truly desired. And so I thought what was interesting is that there were fans at the final, like a last minute kind of governmental uh, decision allowed a, a certain number, I think 10% of the capacity of the Maracana, which was it's a 72,000 seat stadium. Uh, and so there were Argentine fans and, and and Brazilian fans there, but it was very kind of like exclusive. It wasn't just like it didn't feel like a true final, but still there were people there. And I, I just remember that, even in the pregame, and especially after Di Maria, Angel Di Maria opened the, the scoring, I think in the 22nd minute, like the Argentine fans were just rabid. Like it was like loud. It felt like it, I hadn't heard that before. I hadn't heard that in so long. I'm sorry. Like when watching South American soccer, they have not had fans back in the stadium since the pandemic began in any country in South America. Um, you know, I think there was a World Cup qualifier in Colombia that was you know, less than 10,000. And that was kind of, that was controversial. So, um, but to, at this magnitude, uh, it just felt like there was, there was an intense desire from all of Argentina to win this title. And so, you know, just after the, after the final whistle, I think what you saw was a reflection of a team that was together, you know, like finally an Argentine team that didn't battle each other, that, that, that weren't being, um, that wasn't wrought with, 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 uh, uh, like toxic relationships and, and, and federation corruption. You know, I'm sure that still goes on, but they've kind of let Lionel Scaloni do his job and, and they've put Lionel Messi in a situation and within a group where he's happy, he's playing the way they play suits him. And so I think, I think when, when you see him kind of collapse to his knees after the final whistle, you, you watch every every player's Instagram live was going off in the locker room. And the, the, the party was like, it was legit. It wasn't just like, okay, we've won. Let's move on. You know, this was like, this was a big, big, big milestone for Lionel Messi. And, and especially just the entire country of Argentina that finally had a reason to, to really thank Messi. You know, it's one thing to just have the best player in the world wearing your jersey. It's quite another to thank him for, for an international title. 
So there was an intense desire to win on the part of the team. But as you said, for Messi, there was a need to win. Why do we use that term, do you think, when we talk about Messi needing to win silverware with Argentina? Is it just for the greatest of all time debate or are there other factors in there for you as well? It's I mean, one, it's just because of his nationality. Let's just be honest. Like he he is he was long considered as soon as he kind of came up and, and started playing, you know, well for Barcelona as a teenager, the next Maradona and and anyone in Argentina that that has that skill. He's happen, he happens to be diminutive like Maradona. He's a left footer. He's from another planet, basically, like Diego was. You know, that's the pressure that Messi has, has carried with him for, for, you know, over 15 years. And, and the, the 1986 World Cup title that Argentina won uh, still looms large in Argentina. And Diego, listen, when he passed away in November, you, you could see, like, how important a figure he was despite – um, you know, his, his history off the field and, and, and all the problems that he's had clearly Diego Maradona, you know, I believe it. I think he's, you know, the greatest player of all time, in my opinion. Um, and, and, and it's not, and it's not to, to put Messi below him. It's just like, that's, that, that's how I see it. Uh, the, the sort of talent that he had and, and the influence that he had on the game. Now, Lionel Messi just is, is, is kind of in that shadow. Uh, and so it has a lot to do with that, and it has a lot to do with the world's greatest debate, like you said, and 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 the greatest ever. And and well, he hasn't won an international title. You know, Cristiano won out, Ronaldo won the twenty sixteen Euro, European Championship, and that put him in some people's eyes above Messi. Like I don't, I didn't think that. I just thought that that was like kind of like a check mark that he had over Messi when you look at statistics and things like that. But they're two different players. I don't compare them. But Messi needed this because. It's, it's always going to be debated whether he has been um, capable, not good enough, capable and, and being on the right team at the right time to win an international title with Argentina. And, th and that's what happened at the Copa America. Right team, right time, right situation. Um, and, and it finally happened for him. Uh, so you may have already given us like the preview to the answer to this question, but uh, for Argentina in his time uh, playing there, he has had, what was the number? Was it like 13 managers or something like that? Or eight in 13? I, yeah. I know 13 is involved. Mm -hmm. He's played for 13 different managers, I believe. Yeah. Wow. And there are managers that have tried to build around him exclusively. There are managers who have actively tried not to build around him. There are managers who try to fit him into a system or even force him into a system, which then led to a brief Retirement period, it's been strange. Nothing has worked at senior level until this moment with Scaloni. So what do you think Scaloni got right here that others could not? And how much of it involves Pablo Imar? Yeah, listen, I mean, I wrote a story where I, I focused a lot on Pablo Imar, who, you know, the, the former great River Plate player. He was so good with Valencia and very good with the Argentine national team, a very special player. Uh, who, for those that don't know, like Lionel Messi has been open that, you know, his childhood idol was Pablo Aymar growing up. And now Aymar is within the national team system as a U15 and U17 coach in Argentina. And he was on Lionel Scaloni's U20 staff. Scaloni was the U20 coach um, before he, he took on the senior national team. Uh, and he brought Aymar with him. And I think what Aymar just, I, I watch videos of his where he talks about tactics and he talks about positional play and the, and the way he sees the game and the way he prioritizes, 
you know, creativity and individual excellence and, and allowing players that are, that are special to make mistakes and to play outside of a system that is so perhaps rigid. Uh, and, and that's his belief. That's how he sees the game. It's an emotional game. It's not chess. That was his quote. Um, and, and, and I think that's, that's key here. You know, I really do believe that for so many years, uh, so many different coaches have tried to implement or tried to try to plug Messi into their system, uh, regardless of the players that were around him, regardless of the situation that they were in. Um, and, and it hasn't worked, you know, it, Again, it, I think saying it hasn't worked is because it hasn't led to, to many titles. But Argentina has gotten to, you know, they got to World Cup final. They got to two consecutive Copa America finals. But in the end, you know, it doesn't get done. So the, Scaloni, I feel, just focused a lot more, honestly, on on culture. I know it sounds like a cliche, but I truly believe that's what he did. And he has a close relationship with Messi. He has been open about that. I think what's interesting is that he was on Lionel Scaloni was on the twenty six the two thousand six Argentina team that played in the World Cup in Germany, and so was Aymar, and so was Messi. Messi was nineteen at the time, so they've known each other a long time. And I think his goal was to make sure that the environment around the national team was suited for Messi, that the pressure was 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 not a consistent part of the 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 plan, if you will. Um, and, and I think that's been key because the tactics aren't spectacular for Lionel Scaloni. They're not perfect either. You know, they, 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 they sometimes are pretty stretched on the field, but in the end, like they, they don't, you know, they, they have a mission. I think the mission in this case was to win this Copa America for, for Lionel Messi and Pablo Armar being kind of just in the background, providing that stability, providing that kind of intellectual tactical approach to the game and, and probably just being in Messi's ear and saying, just play, just be yourself. You know, that led to a, a historical individual performance by Messi at this tournament. Like he led virtually every, every category statistically, you know, in the attack, it was incredible. It was incredible. It was an incredible performance from Messi. Uh, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Just like what the team culture was heading into this tournament. From what you have read, from what you know of this team and of Lionel Messi, and I know you're not in the camp, so I apologize if this puts you on the spot a little bit, but like, what do you think it is that you have to do to, to get Messi to like be on board, to feel relaxed, to feel confident? I, I, I saw the quote, I think, from Scaloni about like, people think he's a wonderful person, but if they met him in person, they'd see he's the most wonderful person. Like, I was ready for it to be like, but actually, he's a nightmare. And instead, it was a very pleasant thing. Like, does he, does he respond to that sort of like managerial approach, in, in your opinion? Because there were the times with other managers where maybe there's been, a bit more of an oppositional relationship that there was a friendly, cordial one. And it seems like Scaloni and co have been able to get the, the cordial amicable side of Messi to kind of manifest in this team. Yeah. I think that's a great point because it's, it's, it's not like Lionel Messi is just this, uh, you know, this teddy bear of a, of a guy, you know, like you watch him play for Bar Barcelona. He's had, he, there are games where he's just not in it. He's not in. He's frustrated. He's upset. He's frustrated with the coach. He's frustrated with the tactics. He's frustrated with his teammates. You can see that. Like, he's that sort of player. I think any real professional at some point, you know, falls into that category. But the really, really top players where the team is all about them and the, and the results depend on them uh, and, and the, the standard that they have for their, for themselves and for their teammates and for their coaching staffs, Messi is at that point, And he's always been, that, especially late in his career where 
you know, the standard has to be there for him to really, truly perform. And that's why you've seen, you know, last season with Ronald Coleman in Barcelona, there, it was rocky. You know, he, he didn't, he wouldn't shake his hand when he came off the field. He wouldn't look at him and he was walking on the pitch and he was frustrated. You know, there, there are stories that I've read from, you know, other players that have kind of gone through Barcelona and then were shipped off and they talk about, you know, Messi in training and like, not very nice, <laughs> you know, like not the nicest guy. If your pass doesn't land on his foot or if you're not looking up when he's open and you know, that that's, that doesn't make him a bad person. That makes him the sort of competitor that if you're playing around him, I mean, imagine Taylor, imagine being on the field with Lionel Messi where the ex his expectation of you is to be at his level or close. I mean, that puts pressure on players that, they either they they either fold or they elevate their game, and I think we could go down the line of players in our, that have played alongside him in, at Barcelona and in Argentina. That in those situations they haven't been great, and they haven't been good enough for Messi. And so I think that that's important to bring up because in this particular case, this Argentina team isn't. I don't think they're as stacked as like the 2014 team, at World Cup team, and like. Even 2018, when that generation was kind of getting older, but like Argentina has been better, in my opinion, with Messi on the field. They've had better players, and this team that you know they had their, their fullbacks were for a lot of people that were just tuning in didn't know who Montiel was, the right back from River Plate. Who is this guy? You know, and like the fact that Tagliafico, the 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 Ajax uh, left back, is like not even starting for Argentina. Like sometimes Scaloni would put in. Uh, Acuna because he's just kind of like a hard-nosed 1v1 guy that can play as a defensive midfielder, can play as a fullback, can play as a winger. It's like a lot of players that aren't great, you know what I mean? They're not these top guys, and still they were able to kind of collectively play within a, a more open system, a more fluid system, and then allow Messi to just kind of float, find the ball, and play within himself. So that's, that's important to note. This team somehow kind of overcame the sometimes too high of a standard that Messi has for his teammates. More Lionel Messi and Argentina coverage still to come from my conversation with Felipe. But first, I wanted to let you know that today's episode of Soccer 101 is brought to you by ExpressVPN. So Messi has won the Copa America for the first time. Argentina finally winning it again for the first time in many, many years. That's it. You don't need to watch soccer anymore. You can just go watch Netflix, for example. But if you are only watching one version of Netflix, then ExpressVPN would like to remind you that, number one, you don't have to do that. And number two, that's a bit like paying for a gym membership and then only being allowed to use the treadmill. And you might be okay with that. You might just want to use the treadmill. But maybe eventually other equipment comes online, other equipment catches your eye. Maybe you just want to change it up a little bit. Well, you can't really do that in the current format in this current analogy. But ExpressVPN lets you change your online location so you can control where you want Netflix to think you're located. That's right. You're tricking technology, you're tricking the machines, and then Skynet can never happen. ExpressVPN has almost 100 different server locations, so you can gain access to thousands of new shows by going to Dutch Netflix, British Netflix, French Netflix, all of the many Netflix I, that is the plural of Netflix. And this works with many other streaming services. Too many to list, but I will say it works with BBC iPlayer, which is wonderful if you would like to be able to watch that match of the day goodness as the Premier League returns. Uh, ExpressVPN gives you blazing fast speeds. You can stream in HD with zero buffering. It's compatible with all your devices, and it encrypts your data, which is 
Very good again. The machines can't win. So be smart. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Use all the equipment, not just the treadmill. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash soccer. Don't forget to use this link, expressvpn.com slash soccer, to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Thank you very much to ExpressVPN for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you to the many, many listeners who did not skip that ad read. I know you're all out there, and I love all of you. I love those of you who skipped it too, but uh, in a slightly skippier way. Uh, and on that note, back to today's show. And if you're giving like sort of the the secondary MVP award for this team, because I'm, I'm assuming MVP is going to be a little messy uh, for reasons you've already mentioned, for reasons we're going to discuss later on, like who is the other major performer that you think elevated this team? I'm assuming Angel Di Maria will be in that conversation because of the goal he scored and the way he scored it in the final. Yeah, I mean, Di Maria was was the star of the final because for so many reasons, you know, and he talked about it after the game, the fact that he had missed so many other finals. He missed the 2014 final through injury. Yeah, I didn't realize this. And it was kind of a controversy where Real Madrid apparently and supposedly and allegedly and reportedly sent like a memo <laughs> to the Argentina camp saying, like, do, yeah, like, do not play him. Um, he's injured. They, they wanted to correct it protect a player that they plan to sell off, I think, that summer. Uh, and he didn't play in the 2014 final. And then he, I believe he missed the 2015 tournament through injury and then came, had to come off during the 2016 Copa America through injury. And so he talked about that, that Messi told him before the final, like, this is you, man, this is your final, like, this is your time, this is your chance for revenge. And he delivered, you know, like, that's just so, so amazing for a player on an individual uh, you know, basis to, to be able to do that. A player like Di Maria, who, who I believe has always has given so much to Argentina, man. Like, it's like, he's still going and he plays the, the, the pace that he plays at, like there's a lot of mileage on those legs. Uh, and he's still kind of, you know, he still delivered when he had to in the final. So yeah, he's in that conversation. I think, you know, Rodrigo de Paul, uh, you know, midfielder from Udinese, who's now moved on to Atletico Madrid. I think again, for a lot of the casual observer that don't, that isn't watching Serie A all the time and, and didn't follow him when, you know, from his career up, he's 28 years old. I think he's 27, 28 years old. He's not like a young pup. So he's been around, but like he's now officially kind of been uh, indoctrinated. And now he's like one of those players that it's so key in Argentina, the type of player that can play well with Messi, the type of player that like, Oh, he understands him. He understands Messi and Rodrigo de Paul, and LaCelso, like those are two guys that in Argentina they talk about they talk about those guys in that way. They found players that know where to find Messi, know when to release the ball, when know when to keep the ball, know when to allow him to run. Um and, and so Rodrigo Paul thought was like spectacular, especially in the final. But my guy, and this is coming from a Colombian who suffered through the semifinal, I think you've <laughs> got to give the MVP to Emmy Martinez, the goalkeeper. You know, this is a guy who uh, wasn't expected to start. I know he has a, a history in the Premier League. He was with Arsenal. Um, you know, a great resume already. A U seventeen, U twenty goalkeeper with Argentina goes to Arsenal, um, and, and now in Aston Villa, a big signing for Aston Villa. But in Argentina, you know, he was behind Franco Ar- Armani, who um, you know the River Plate goalkeeper, for, who at one point I believe like twenty nineteen ish, twenty twenty, he was the be- Franco Armani was the best goalkeeper in South America. 
Uh, and that's why I think some people are like, how is Emmy Martinez only playing now? Well, because he was behind a very good goalkeeper. And now, you know, Armani gets COVID, had a COVID test, a positive test before the Copa America. Um, and it allowed Emmy Martinez to step in. And now I don't think he's going to lose that spot for years. You know, he's towering, he's intimidating. Uh, you know, I spoke to a, a former uh, U20 youth Argentina player recently, and he told me, um, you know, Emmy Mar- he played with Emmy Martinez at the U20 level in Argentina. He said, you know, Emmy Martinez, we finally have a goalkeeper that epitomizes the Argentine personality, like that bravado that just they don't care. And he's he he delivered big time. And as you said, this was a, a major performance for Lionel Messi, obviously, st- statistically, uh, what, leading in goals or jointly in goals, assists, goal contributions, through balls, created chances, passes made to the final third. I'm now just quoting your article, Felipe. Um, was this his biggest string of performances, do you think, in an Argentina shirt? I think so. You know, I think because, let's, let's see, before this, you'd have to go back to the 2018 World Cup he had one goal, one goal in that entire World Cup. It was a great goal. It was a memorable goal against Nigeria, but he was essentially stifled in in, in Jorge Sampioli's system. Uh, you know, teams figured out how to defend him, figured out how to how to play against Argentina. They had no answers at all. You know, Messi could not carry the team like he had in twenty, like he did in twenty fourteen, which was a incredible performance from from Lionel Messi as well at a World Cup Uh, but this one you know I think even if you take in the context of the Copa America like I wrote in that story that it was controversial the way it was put together there were no fans you know that that does a lot to the to the atmosphere we saw during the European Championships how you know atmosphere can change games and so that wasn't part of the equation at the Copa America Uh, the fact that South America the field in general not as strong as it, as it has been in the past. Uh, you know, Uruguay did not perform to the level that they felt that others felt they could at this, at this Copa America. Uh, Brazil just like was not themselves in a final at home. Uh, and so all those things came together, but you add the fact that game to game from the minute Argentina kicked off in the group stage, Messi was dominant. He really was. Uh, and he played every minute of the tournament and I think he's, his body kind of fell apart a little bit at the, at the end in the final. But still, he had taken that team uh, to another final. And in the end, it, it, was, you know, it was his teammates that delivered. And what was Messi's actual like, role within the team? What position was he playing? What was in their sort of style, in their formation? And then what would you say were his like, main responsibilities I would say like overall in the tournament, because uh, as I understand it from what I, I saw, at least myself, it seemed like the Brazil game was a little bit different in that they were aware that the focus was going to be on him and almost use that to their advantage. But overall, what were sort of the key aspects of Messi's performances with this Argentina team? Yeah, it's interesting because like like I mentioned in, in the, the story that I wrote for The Athletic that kind of summed up Argentina's final um, is that you you ha- you do have to go back to to Jorge Sampioli's tactics because they were very you know Bielsa like they were like Bielsa on steroids right it was kind of a strange formation and it was very high pressing and possession and intense and uh, positional play all that stuff that the modern coaches love to talk about and it didn't work um, and and Lionel Scaloni is kind of like a four four two guy and I like that's it's very traditional I think he's more 
conservative, if you will, especially defensively. Like he does not want to get caught defensively, but even, but it's like they haven't found, I don't think they found like the ideal recipe tactically because sometimes they do, like I mentioned before, they do get stretched a little bit. But that four four two changes to a four two three one, and and a lot of times, um, you know, Lautaro Martinez is the lone striker. That's something that Scaloni likes to do, and it allows Lionel Messi to play as a ten, to play as a second striker, to move out wide on either flank, to find the ball, and at the same time, I think what teams in what the opponents try to do, they, they'll try to man mark Messi around the field. And what that does is it allows other midfielders to, to just move into space. So Rodrigo DePaul, the Celso, you know, even Di Maria, who was able to play on a flank and within kind of a four, three, three, sometimes when it looked like a four, three, three, it just allows those players to move freely, um, especially forward when they're in possession, because Messi is so much, the, eye, the eyeballs are on him at all times. Um, but at the same time, like the low block way of defending Messi, like I felt like in South America, you know, they don't do that as much. It's a different game. It's a more emotional game. It's a more physical game. Like Messi gets kicked in South America. Like he does. And it's not dirty. Like a lot of people are like, whoa, like look at the Colombians. You know, he's he swapped jerseys with Wilmar Barrios after that game against in the semifinal, who and Barrios was excellent against him. Um, and, and so I think perhaps that's part of it, that it's a different, the game is played differently in South America where it's more intense. It's a little bit more open. It's definitely more physical. And so allowing Messi to kind of just float around, um, and, and, but allowing Argentina to play in, in a very wide system where the, the two fullbacks are consistently up and down the pitch, they stretch teams out. And, and if you look at, you know, if you look at the film on Argentina in this Copa America, or if you just go and read some of the stories that I've written about them, but tactically, you'll see just acres of space um, for Messi in half spaces, in midfield, on wings. Uh, and he's so smart, you know, he's so aware of that. And so he was able to get, get on the ball. He was able to make runs behind the back line. He was able to lose his marks. Um, he, and he was able to allow other players to get forward. So I think it's an, istri- an interesting way to play that. I think Scaloni will slowly, um, you know, he won't perfect it, but I think he does have to perhaps solidify it with a couple more players. But this is the way that Argentina is going to play moving forward. And two more questions for you. The first, do you think this changes the perception of Messi in Argentina, the way he's discussed now and the way he'll be discussed and remembered in the future? Yes. Yes. Because, you know, we, you know, here in the United States or in Europe or in South America or in Asia or in Africa or anywhere where, where the debate happens on Messi and Cristiano or just Messi itself, you know, perhaps that where it was the most toxic and uh, divisive was in Argentina. It was his own people. It was the, it was the press. It was the fans that were, you know, he's not, he hasn't done enough for us. And they don't, and there's this kind of like this narrative that, some people or like a, a portion of the the population um, in Argentina, like don't truly appreciate Messi. And there were reports uh, and stories about Messi, uh, you know, people in Argentina thinking that he was more Spanish than he was Argentine. And he didn't, and he doesn't belt out the national, the, the, you know, the, the, Sorry. Himno Nacional de Argentina. <laughs> El himno Nacional, yeah. The, the national anthem. He doesn't belt out the national anthem like the Italians do, right? Like, um, So, like, that's all been going on for Messi. 
it's like that's that's something that he's lived with. That's probably part of the reason why he he walked away from international football. He retired. He's like, I had enough. You know, I couldn't get it done, and like he didn't feel supported. You know, by the by the the, the population at large. And now, like I said at the top of the show, it's like they've won. They've won something. He's brought something home, and there was a thirst in Argentina for a title, uh, just anything, you know, like we want to win something. We're Argentina. Like, how is it that it hasn't happened since 1993? And so I think from watching the videos, from reading a lot after this, this final, you can see that there's this new appreciation perhaps for this extraterrestrial talent that they have among them. And that is not going to play forever. Uh, and, and so I think, yeah, the perception has changed for the better. I think Messi knows that. I think that was one of the reasons why he wanted to do this. He wanted to win this trophy. I think it was really important for him, for the, the people of Argentina to to appreciate him and to put him perhaps in a, at, a, at a different level internationally, especially while wearing the Argentina shirt. So it happened for him. And, and I think that's why overall there was that sentiment of like, just everyone being happy for him and this like sense of relief that finally he got it done. All right. And that feels like a good note to end on. So the final question to summarize, if we're looking at how Argentina got this done, why they were able to win this time, as opposed to other times, uh, a few that I had would be, they had a coaching staff that like had been there was composed Mm -hmm. of, of players as opposed to maybe tactical minds and, and maybe embraced that idea. They had players who stepped up in key moments, whereas that maybe hasn't been so much the case in other tournaments. They had a squad based less so on just reputation than on the suitableness within the system and within that philosophy. They had Emmy Martinez stepping up and being a very good goalkeeper. And then they had Messi having a good, happy tournament. Would those be the kind of five factors we've outlined? That's it. That's it. And I think that's why Argentina, that's why this was so key because now they go into world cup qualifying where they're, they're in second place in coma bowl. They, they should, they should get to the world cup. You know, I think barring a disaster, they, they're going to be there and they're going to take with them this momentum and they're going to take with them the, the title of being South American champions, which I think is so important for South American teams going into a world cup, like they carry with them that, that badge of honor. And for a country like Argentina and a team like Argentina, which has always been kind of heavily, I would say competitively arrogant uh, with their history and the players that they have and, and their expectations, you know, now they come with something that's very tangible, which is a Copa America trophy. And so it bodes well for, for Argentina and it bodes well for perhaps that story and that dream of Messi going to world to go into a world cup and actually winning it. It's much different. It's much different. Um, and it's much harder than going to a, a continental Copa America, but uh, you know, they, they're going to have momentum. They're going to be ver- a very confident side heading into the world cup in Qatar. All right. So listeners, hopefully we now have an answer as to why this mattered so much to Lionel Messi, but also how Argentina were able to win it. Felipe, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're very busy. I know there's a lot going on. Um, uh, between Copa America wrapping up Gold Cup and then uh, Atlanta United being Atlanta United. We try to make these evergreen, but uh, I'm assuming interesting times for you. Interesting times. I, I guess it just never stops. Like like I said, it's been the summer of soccer, the summer of news, uh, and, and I'll, I'll be on top of it. Yeah, Gold Cup with Mexico, heading into World Cup qualifying as well, following El Tri. Uh, and, and like we know, you know, the, these two teams, the U.S. and Mexico, I think are going to be are going to be seeing each other quite a bit in the next mm-hmm. few months. 
I look forward to that. I look forward to talking to you about that. But until then, listeners, thank you all for listening. I've been Taylor Rockwell. This has been Soccer 101. We'll talk to you all next week. 